I imagine out of all of us as well, Gav, you would have fucked around quite a lot in the cinema. That I've that always series. been very respectful of cinemas, apart from when we went to go and see um... the, the Scorpion King, Hitchhiker's Guide. Let's be honest, the Grudge, Grudge. Yeah, <laughs> you like farted so loud that you made the entire <laughs> audience like ruin the mood, ruin the mood at the beginning of the film. Honestly, Gav, I reckon we could do a documentary about you fucking around in cinemas. Uh, you know. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. Murder Mystery Month is just like the dream of getting a director's cut of the original Suicide Squad. It's over. <laughs> this week, we're for, sorry if David Iyer is listening, but it's, it is over. Uh, it, <laughs> but this week, we're putting the new and improved The Suicide Squad on trial. Is it a sweet, sweet release or is it an eternity in purgatory? Essentially, I'm not, by the way, I'm not uh, endorsing suicide there. <laughs> Essentially, we will find out if this film will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Sir Seven. Alex, you judged that trial. Oh, no, you didn't. Sorry, Ozzy, did you judged that trial, and you deemed that it should be placed on their hit list. Yeah. You've since gone away and watched it. So did you make the right call? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It was gritty. Like, it's got all of the, all of the cliches of, of that type of film that have come since. Do you know what I mean? You could tell, having, having not seen that film and first, you can just see all of the references that other films have made since, you know, and it's... Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, I, I, I think there's definitely some of the the, uh, the negative arguments were, were completely valid, but no, great film, dark, gritty, and I kind of feel like it would have been better if I didn't know the ending. You know, it would know when the ending does spoil it a touch, but uh, yeah, it was still good. So. And what did you think about Brad Pitt's acting? You know, I, I I am I'm a big fan of Brad Pitt from his <laughs> from his crappy Irish accent through to the other crappy Irish accent. <laughs> Through to, <laughs> through to his crappy American accent, which should be really good. <laughs> I, I like him. I thought he was good. I think, it, like you guys mentioned, is that he was good not being the main character in this. Um, if and if if I hadn't had Alex's argument about him being a little bit distracting, like constantly on on screen, I probably wouldn't have noticed that. But wanted pointed out to you, yeah, you do see him like overacting in the background and that. But uh, it, it wasn't. Um, it would never have bothered me otherwise. So, yeah, I thought he was all right. But, yeah, maybe you know not what? leading actor, man. Oh, see, I-, I thought that we were friends. But... <laughs> Fuck That's you, what you think, huh? not, not today. <laughs> <I'm>, I... <laughs> what the hell led you to believe any of us are friends? <laughs> right, now, moving swiftly on. On to the trial. All of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So acting in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be me and Joel. I'm just like Viola Davis's character, Amanda Waller. I'm in charge... And I will go to incredibly questionable and immoral lengths to get my ragtag crew to do whatever I want. I've seen some of the immoral lengths you've been on. I'm I'm talking mainly about the angry text messages I send you to get your photos sent in for our (laughs) pictures that week. And Ozzy is just like David Dashmalian's character, Polka Dot Man. He dresses like a Blue Peter presenter making their own London Fashion Week entry. And 
He has prior when it comes to vomiting brightly colored fluids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just referencing that time he literally threw up an entire bottle of tomato ketchup on that rug. <laughs> <laughs> and I think his prosecution in trying to get this film placed on this sheer list will be Alex and Dave. Alex is a bit like Michael Rooker's character, Savant. Since his summer holidays began, he's done a lot of wall watching and a lot of ball handling. <laughs> I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking about him trying out tennis you sick, sick yeah. bastards <laughs> and joining Alex will be Dave and Dave is just like John Cena's character Peacemaker he pretends he's all honourable and just but deep down we know that he's a real piece of shit just like the rest of us <laughs> <laughs> it's true <laughs> <laughs> now just like real court advocates the defence and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles these may or may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their genuine thoughts. Now, this week, Joel will be playing the most important role as he plays the judge, and he has to decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. And Joel is a bit like Jai Courtney's character, Captain Boomerang. He might not be around that much, but when he is, he adds a lot of the humor and a lot of reasons to be massively irritated. <laughs> don't, don't worry, I'll, I'll add more laughter into that bit. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, I think before we get started, we should give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let me spin the wheel of impressions. That was supposed to be a turkey, but it sounded like, you know, when the thing escapes the dog pound in the thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it has landed on me. So how would we like me to read the synopsis? Ah, options. What are our options? Um, um, I know he's not in it for long. Obviously, Captain Boomerang's quite a there distinctive is. voice. Harley Quinn is quite a distinctive voice. You could do um, yeah, Harley Capaldi Quinn. or Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn, yeah, that's a good do one. Do a Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah okay, do, yeah. A, do a high-pitched Brooklyn. Do it, give us your best Harley Quinn. Okay. Um, Supervillains, Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Belrath Prison join the super-secret, super-shady Task Force X as they are trapped off at the remote enemy-fused island of Corto Maltese. Wow. It's, a, it's a perfect Joe Pesci. Right. Oh, I need to lie down after that. <laughs> right, okay, so without further hesitation, Joel, would you please like to kick off proceedings? Certainly will, so... Obviously, we had the massive failure that was the original Suicide Squad. And it's only, what, like four or five years later? So what I'd like to know first is, is this a remake or is this like a sequel? Um, and kind of what are the differences between the, the two versions? I think you can ignore the previous version. I've never seen the other Suicide Squad, so it didn't bother me in the slightest. But When, when you're supposed to be defending the last Suicide Squad when we put it on trial... I can't remember. I remember. I was Joel, yeah, and he, and he, and he swapped sides, didn't he, midway? <laughs> just no, you didn't. To swap, to swap implies that someone went the other way. He just <laughs> abandoned the defence and, and left it undefended. 
I disagree with Ozzy. I think yeah, you do need to have a bit of a knowledge of the first one. There are some characters from the first film that you're introduced to that come back, and you don't get the same level of introduction to them that you had first time around. Uh, Joel Kinnaman is back, who plays Rick Flagg. Viola Davis is back, who plays Amanda Waller. Uh, Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn, and Jai Courtney is Captain Boomerang. They're the main ones that jump out in my head. Yeah, see, I think you need a, a basic knowledge of it, but like Ozzy says, the plot doesn't necessarily roll on continuously. You could get away without seeing the first one. Mm. Okay, yeah. so it's it's it's, a, it's essentially called a soft reboot. So it's not a remake or a sequel. Form, essentially. What would a hard reboot be? Just like all new characters, all new story. Yeah, yeah you take hard. the original cast out, shoot them, and <laughs> basically <laughs> start, start completely from scratch on Scorched Earth. Okay, I like the sound of that, to be honest. Um, I'm just picturing what that would be like. So in terms of the... Gavit, have you got your hands up there? Or is, is that just how you normally sit? Because I can't tell, because your fingers are so thin and skeletal. Right? <laughs> they're, they're so white and pale, I can't tell whether it's the, the wall in the background or... Uh... <laughs> I, I was just thinking that when I was looking at my finger, I was like, God, it looks like a fucking skeleton. It's like an old biology room skeleton hand. <laughs> oh, that scene in Coco where, you know, his hands start turning <laughs> Yeah, I did have Nobody's my hands like up, made any point. points to argue with, and you're like, yeah, already sh- shut someone so down. He's ready, to, he's ready to jump. On I'm ready to shit on anybody at a given notice. <laughs> that's <laughs> not even a to do with the film on trial. <laughs> that's just. <laughs> I'm not even talking about arguments here. What, 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 what points did you want to raise? No, I was just going to uh, provide an overview. I thought that's where you were going, but don't worry about it. Well, keep your finger <laughs> to yourself next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm looking for somebody to provide a brief overview. <laughs> <laughs> so go, go on, Gav, in terms of the plot, where are we? Right, so as you said before, this is sort of like a, a soft reboot of the original. The film barrels out of the gate with little preamble. We know who the Suicide Squad are, even if you haven't seen the first film. You, the, the name of the, of the squad, it's pretty self-explanatory. But you probably are aware of the original film from five years ago. We're briefly given the context of this ruthless official Amanda Waller who's recruiting some of the supervillain residents of Bell Rev prison to carry out black ops missions that the government would like to remain a secret. So we're shown this team comprising of Colonel Rick Flagg, Harley Quinn and Captain Boomerang, all from the first film, in addition to several new faces, including Michael Rooker's savant and also a giant weasel. They are dropped in a fictional Central American country named Corto Maltese, where there's been a political um, coup, coup d'etat. Coup d'etat? Coup d'etat? Coup d'etat. Coup d'etat. Is it not a coup d'etat? I thought it was coup d'etat. But, uh, coup d'etat. but I'm trying to think of coup. Okay. Isn't that, isn't that like carrots and celery and cr- cr- croutons? <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. Crudite. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, a, uh, it's a little yeah, soft little bit piece of bread, bread you put in your soup. Yeah. It's a little, little bit of a carrot that you put yeah. in dips. Dipping. Quite different to the coup d'etat. Yeah, <laughs> coup d'etat yeah. for dipping. Break it out. <laughs> Break out the coup d'etat in every part of it. No, no wonder I didn't get that job as a BBC News reporter. <laughs> So there's been a political crouton and the new government are threatening to use a secret weapon against the U.S. that's being stored on the island. So the group lands to find the entire Corto Maltese army waiting for them. And then they're all brutally executed, with the exception of Rick Flagg, who escapes, and Harley Quinn, who is captured. Roll into the intro credits. 
Then we find a second group led by Idris Elba and featuring John Cena's Peacemaker, Danielle Melchior's Rack Catcher 2, David Dasmalian's Polka Dot Man, and Sylvester Stallone's King Shark. They're enacting the same mission, but using all of the chaos to go into the island unseen. So the group carries out some side missions, including rescuing Rick Flagg and Harley Quinn, before eventually commencing with their main objective, which is to blow up the building containing this secret weapon. It's discovered that the secret weapon is actually a giant alien starfish-like creature. And the reason that Amanda Waller wants the building blown up is because the U.S. government was responsible for capturing the creature and conducting experiments on it and thousands of test subjects. So then the group must fight the remaining Quarto Maltese army in addition to the giant starfish and its zombie cohorts, saving the day and earning their freedom. And that's about it, to be honest. That's that's it, summed up quite nicely. If you Left. do say so yourself. He's, the judge is gone. Half I know, I could I'm still, see. I'm still here. <laughs> okay, well, that certainly sounds like a, already it's better than the original. But it does sound maybe a little bit typical in terms of a, a superhero film plot. So kind of prosecution, what is different about this film that stands it you know apart like James Gunn I think all of his films are, are quite unique um like as as he hit the nail on the head here and made this different from the original I uh, thought the defense you mean or, or prosecution. Uh, prosecution yeah it's um you know it's different from the first one and you know I mean spoilers you know it's it's not a, it's not as big a bag of shite as the first film <laughs> it, it's it, you know because it'd be hard to quite match that when you talk about James Gunn's distinctive style, yeah, that's definite in evidence here. But I'd say he overplays his hand a bit, and this was my problem with the film. You know, he, he, he sort of sets up quite a few different things. So, you know, you have that first Suicide Squad, which literally is the Suicide Squad. All of those people are taken out. It was lovely to see Captain Boomerang annihilated by a helicopter. It's honestly worth <laughs> the price of admission just to go and see that, Joel. So, you know, that in, in a way, that, 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 that was great. But it sort of peaked for me there. Like it just carries on, and you have all of these characters die, and then you know that can happen all the way through the film, and it's an interesting way of doing it, and it's quite dark and it's quite gritty. Again, another DC dark film, which do we really need that? But but you know, it definitely has its own style. What I'd say is though that James Gunn, in the way of trying to like subvert the way a film is meant to go, sort of does actually manage to accomplish it, but doesn't really give you anything else. So. You've got these characters that you sort of get invested in, and it just feels like there's just no point because they just some of them just die halfway through, two thirds of the way through, a quarter of the way through. They just die at different points, and so you feel a bit like there's nowhere for the film to go. And it's just a film with two halves. The first half was really interesting because you're going, "Oh, this is amazing! I'm really into this. I don't know where it's going to go. You know, this is quite exciting. This is really different. And Christ, it's a lot better than the first bag of shite that we watched." But by the second half of the film you get quite wearied by it and because you haven't got characters that you're particularly invested in because they haven't really spent much of the time you know really laying out anyone's particular you know arc or anything like that or or, or context to any of it you do just get quite bored and sort of the tricks come thick and fast and by the end you're a little bit I was kind of glad to leave the cinema and I could feel in the rest of the cinema was starting to get a bit restless as well so a really good first half but it doesn't make for a good film and he's tried to break a few rules that shouldn't have been broken. You know, in fair play, I do kind of salute James Gunn for trying it, but I, I just don't think it worked and it didn't make for an enjoyable film by the end. So, Ozzy, you've normally got quite a unique take on things. Like, 
yeah. What do, you, what do you think about that? Do you think there's too many characters that you don't care about them enough? And well, I, you know what? It, it, at first, yes, I sort of did. Behind, and they've all got stupid names. And you know, I'm not a DC. I'm not necessarily like a really comic book fan. And it's quite, you know, it can be a little bit difficult to work your way through. But there's some really funny moments. Like I can't think of everyone's name now. Like Deadshot and Sharkman and uh, TDK. You know, it's like. Uh, but they all have like funny moments. And actually, I think one of the good things about James Gunn, just generally, like if you think about this, he is like a dark, more gruesome Guardians of the Galaxy is 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 kind of the way it's. He's been unleashed to do something a little bit, you know, not a non-PG version of of Guardians, essentially. And and, and he's done a great, a great job, you know, in, in terms of that. I don't need to know all of the characters, which... I think I would have been even more invested in them, particularly the opening scene where like fucking everyone dies and it sets the scene up that anyone can die in this, in this film that you're in on it. But he, James Gunn's got a great way of bringing in a lot of emotion and a lot of character to people in quite a short space of time. You know, and I think he's managed to sum up the Harley Quinn uh, history in, you know, a fraction of the time that was done on the, the previous two films with her in it. So, you know, he just alludes to the Joker uh, and just alludes to the stuff that happened in the um, the Emancipation uh, film, I, and it and it doesn't matter. So I automatically caught up. You don't you you feel the the psychosis and uh, just how crazy she is. And the same with where like he's able to capture characters in, in a short space of time. It doesn't really matter whether you're bothered about the comic book itself, which you know I've never read them, so I don't know whether they're true to the character or or, or what. But you can still enjoy them. You know, it's not a film that I would normally have watched, but. It's a, it's a, it's a big epic film, you know. It's I, I'd say it is a a gruesome Guardians, and I can I think we'll see James Gunn doing a huge amount of Suicide Squad films going forward. There'll be a Gunniverse. Okay, so uh, like one thing that's definitely prevalent is Marvel films, like the Guardians, is like his pairing of music and culture and things like that in terms of the film. So, is there any of that in the Suicide Squad, or is it just like? You know, more dark, gritty, gore, that type of thing. Anyone, Dave? Yeah, there is a notable soundtrack to this. He's got the same guy who's done most of uh, his soundtracks previously to do this one. And yeah, it it, can, it it works well enough with the with the film. It is a bit of a jukebox soundtrack as well. You know, you get some songs that everyone knows, as you would expect from Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, that is essentially a jukebox soundtrack. It's not as memorable, though. You know, when you're watching Guardians certain songs stick out, you know, songs you may know, songs maybe you didn't. And, you know, it was one of the biggest selling soundtrack albums, I think, of that year. You're not going to get the same with this. It's fallen flat a little. Maybe he was out of ideas, maybe he's saving them for Guardians 3. I don't know. But it, this soundtrack is not as good. It's not as distinctive. And it's not going to be played. You're not going to see this shift in millions of copies. It's uh, It falls a bit flat on that front. It's there, for sure it's there. But it does fall a bit flat. I have to disagree with a couple of Aussie's points just while we're on me. Um, I don't think anyone really cares about a lot of these characters. The, the cannon fodder at the beginning of the film, these are quite obscure DC characters. Unless you're really up on your DC, you're not going to know a great deal about them to begin with. And I think that Aussie calls it a darker, more violent Guardians. That's exactly what we wanted to see. You know, where the audience wanted to see. When James Gunn was announced to do the new Suicide Squad film, expectations went through the roof, even though the first film was terrible expectations went up. It was like, okay, we want to see a, a, a dark, violent Guardians film. And unfortunately, what we're lacking from here that he provided in the Guardians film so well is humor. Mm. There are elements of humor. There are a couple of jokes that land, but honestly, they are more missed than hit 
in this film. The script just isn't as well written. And I think a lot of the jokes are not as well written. And maybe it's because he never connected with the characters in the same way as he's connected with Rocket and Star-Lord and other characters that he can write good jokes for. He's not had time to gel with these characters yet. So although there are some jokes, there are a couple of laughs, it's not the laugh-a-minute action movie that you have come to expect from James Gunn, especially not off the, off the back of Guardians. Uh, I did see a really good quote. Alex was talking about the film in two halves. Someone quoted this. The first half delivers everything we've wanted from the DCEU. The second half delivers everything we've come to expect. Okay, so... I got so panicked there, bit. sorry. I thought you were meant to be defending with me. I was like... <laughs> <We're not. laughs> I was like, what a prick. It's Suicide Squad, man. Everyone switches sides. Having each other in the It's a free-for-all. Embrace nihilism. Yeah, okay, I, well, was, uh, I was all, you know, I was all for just giving it big guns against Gav, thinking that I was on your side, oh, Dave. I wish you had. And actually, I, really I'm on wish you had. I really wish you'd unloaded both barrels into Gav and just got off on your own. There's still, t- there's still time, I'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah they will. Before. Okay, so, uh, uh, you know, the, the comedy was definitely something that I was going to raise, as, as Dave said, in Guardians, there's a lot of kind of a comedic tone that runs all the way through it, really, and none of the characters are really super serious. And looking at the kind of character list here, it's hard to see where you would get that. Maybe like John Cena's character or something. But Gav, you know, what what do you think the, about the that? Human. And then obviously whatever else you, you want to uh, come back from what Dave said. But I, I would like to hear a different take on the comedy. I, I think the comedy is very well done. I think instead of it being like a laugh a minute, it's not, not too much of a try hard film like the original Suicide Squad. With the Suicide Squad, it felt like every time... A character was introduced they were trying to unleash a new catchphrase or a quotable moment or a memeable moment within this it just felt more natural i think grunt gave the actors and the characters more more reign it gave them a lot more room to maneuver and a lot of the funnier parts of this film come with character interactions so uh, whether it be um the interactions between john cena's peacemaker and blood sport uh, sorry idris elba's blood sport They've got this sort of bickering game of one-upmanship throughout the entire piece. And it's very funny, just, you know, the interactions that they have there. I think John Cena is a very talented um, comedic actor as well. I know Alex just rolled his eyes, but I don't think Alex has probably seen any other film that he's been in apart from Fast and Furious 9. Yeah, Trainwreck, Blockers and Sisters. I think he's very good at improv. And I think that there was a, a lot of that on display here. So bits when he was allowed to be himself. So there's a scene when um, King Shark is trying to eat Ratcatcher 2 and Peacemaker pitches up in his underpants. You know, there's just like funny interactions between the, the group, basically. That's where most of the humor comes from. But my thing that I was going to mention is about the comparisons between the original Suicide Squad and Guardians of the Galaxy, which Dave and Alex have both mentioned, and this new film. So the interesting thing was the first Suicide Squad, there was rumors that it had been heavily edited and reworked and reshot by the studio after the massive success of Guardians of the Galaxy. The studio believed that Aya's sort of gritty, dark tone now didn't resonate with an audience who wanted lighthearted nostalgia and needle drop filled fun stories. So the film was like mashed up beyond repair and ended up becoming a huge critical flop and the massive piece of shit that we saw. Fast forward five years, and now we've got a situation where the sequel, or the soft reboot, we should say, is being directed by the man whose formula the studios had tried to replicate in the first place. 
And for once, the director was given, like, carte blanche. She was given completely free reign with only a minor couple of requests by the producers. But Gunn could have easily reproduced Guardians of the Galaxy, but with DC villains. But to his credit, he went in a completely different direction. He returned to his R-rated roots that he's known for with films like Slither. And he delivered a film that is full of shock and awe and is not afraid to push the envelope. He was given his pick of DC villains to use in the film. So he populated it with some of the most obscure characters on the DC roster. And although some of them are purely there for comedic value and to meet an incredibly gruesome death, he also managed to do what the first Suicide Squad failed to do. In what as he was saying before is to give the characters motives and arcs and help the audience empathize with them. So we end up really caring about some of the most immoral villains in DC. The story feels less like a superhero movie and more like an homage to an old 70s band of brothers type war movie like Kelly's Heroes or The Dirty Dozen. But like you've got all this action and all this camaraderie, but also at the heart of it, there's some really moving scenes. Like as he was mentioning before, involving Ratcatcher 2 and her father. We're told this really beautiful relationship told through short flashbacks about how they both lived on the street and how her father controlled rats to steal things for her, but then he died of a drug overdose. It's really moving, and it's actually really unexpected. And I wasn't expecting to feel emotional during this film going into it, but I did. And that's what Gunn does really well with this film, which the original one didn't do. We care about the characters. We care about the events. Not everything is played for laughs. The squad... Touch on it. Oh, sorry, you were right in the middle of your, your head up there. Sorry. <laughs> well, I was, what I was going to say on that scene there as well, because that's, that's literally the scene that's in the trailer, but they managed to play it differently. So you, you're already watching these things. You see all of the big hits that you've seen in the trailer, they're played on a slightly different beat and in the context. It's like you've never seen it before. Like the emotion is there. You get that little bit of comedy that you saw in the trailer to think, oh, yeah, that'll be great. But within the film, it's completely different. It's, it's like watching a completely new scene. and It's, it's absolutely... He's just nailed it. It's a man at the top of his game. Talk about me or James? I would, I would. Both of you. Both of you, yeah. Both of I you. would disagree. Gav is, like, nailing it today. <laughs> I would say... You two are in sync for once. I, I would say it's James Gunn not at the top of his game, but going back to his roots a bit. And his roots, sadly, Joel, were in trauma. So he's taking trauma, right? And he's... Careful what you say now. No, I'm not. I'm not going to be careful at all. <laughs> Like he he's brought that to it, and I don't think it works. I just don't you think it works. Blood orgy, or something like. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Beaver, beaver Lake. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's mean, brought that sort are you, of stuff. Are you telling me that it's a bad thing? <laughs> you should get to tell tell me the poultry guys is a bad film. Exactly. He, obviously, it's not a trauma film, but there are sort of you could definitely you can definitely see the trauma elements being brought into this, and again. That's maybe quite interesting, but I've got to just hugely disagree with this idea that there's moving character parts in it. Like, there's not. I mean, it, 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 there could have been in a different film. If you took that scene and it's nice, she's in the bus and the flashback comes through the window, very cleverly done. Take away TT is a great casting for that piece as well. And it could have been done well, but that's on its own. That's the only time you, she ever talks about it. That's the only time it's ever brought in. There's another bit later on where Harley Quinn has a little bit where she's talks you know Ozzy talked about it before where she sort of talks about her past relationships without really mentioning Joker and then she is about to marry the guy and then she shoots again it's a whole bit but they're all quite separate and all quite disjointed and you never really pick them back up again they just happen and it's more really for a joke for like a gruesome gritty ending to something so 
it's all about this sort of gritty, gory comedy, which I personally didn't didn't care for by the end. But I definitely say that because he's going for these like sort of gory laughs at the end of scenes, you definitely not have an emotional involvement with characters. There is no, I wasn't moved watching that because I was like, well, where's the punchline coming, James Gunn? And it does come later, you know. So, so no, I don't think you can have it both ways there. I don't think you can have this sort of new style of gritty, gory comedy and like beautiful emotional investment not, i don't think i don't feel like people were emotionally invested in these characters not suggesting that it's like a beautiful emotional it's not a drama you know it's but it's there's enough depth to the characters to actually care for them even if you've never read the comic or watched the previous film that's that's kind of why i was suggesting there is that there's there is more depth than just the superficial like you know there's a there's a big character list on here and everyone gets enough time to to shine you know yeah, okay. it's, it's much better than the first film because there's a scene in the first film where it was the one that can just turn himself on fire and he basically sacrifices himself. And just before he does, he's like, oh, I'm doing it because we're family. And you're like, where's that come from? <laughs> Whereas what? with this, at least there's the scene setting up to it. There's, there's a really beautiful relationship between Ratcatcher 2 and Bloodsport developing where she's like he's kind of... Yeah, I think there is. I think we should sort one of a... scene. There's yeah. one scene where that's brought up, and then later on, they're just like, "Wow, they've bonded," and so that puts the plot forward. There is that one very nice scene, and I'm not saying it's a bad scene. I just don't think they did enough because they okay. were going on for these this comedy action all the time. And if it if it, I really think they should have spent a bit more time developing that relationship because you could have hung the rest of the film. It it needed to be a bit more conventional than it was. And I normally wouldn't say that, but I, it did need to be just a little bit more conventional and actually have you invested in the characters. Because that scene is great, but one scene does not make for a great well, character. Just I a quick one on the characters before I pass it back to you, Gav. You know, somebody said that there's quite a few deaths and things like that, and it's that kind of whole, you know, nobody's safe type of thing. But is it the main characters that are kind of still alive? You know what I mean? Like you go into this and you kind of know that Harley Quinn's not going to die. Like, I mean, obviously, it, if obviously I could no. pick it out, does it, it, Idris Elba die? Like John Cena, I would presume that these are the guys that stay alive and maybe the more obvious, like canon fodder characters are the ones that die. Is, is that how it plays out? Or It's not not quite like that, no. No, there's a, there's a few shocking, yeah. shocking twists in that. I mean, obviously, you know Harley Quinn's not going to die. You know, they're, they're not going to kill her off, but... There are there are some like pretty shocking bits which would completely take you because of the setup at the start where fucking loads of people are dying and from what I can gather through reading other bits they're big uh, suicide squad type characters you know you you wouldn't expect it so you can easily fall for uh, fall for the the deaths and I can't remember the character's name now because um, flag that means yeah, spoilers. Rick yeah, yeah. flag flag gets it and that's 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 probably a bigger surprise isn't it? yeah but Rick flag and Captain Boomerang as well I think I wasn't expecting him to die right at the beginning and I'd say with the exception of Harley Quinn because you like but even then because I was like how how much longer do you think Margot Robbie's going to play Harley Quinn so if she would have died I wouldn't have been massively surprised well you know I wouldn't have been massively surprised but. I, w I wouldn't have expected her, but even Idris Elba's character, there were points where I was like, well, you know, he, he could die. You know, he's, he's just been brought in for this one film. Maybe it's a one and done type thing. So with the exception of Harley Quinn, I think everybody is looked at as quite expendable. Okay, so in terms of the performances of said characters, does anyone like really stand out as being particularly good or particularly poor? Obviously in the first one, 
you could I just pluck a name out the top of my head. Jared Leto, he was absolute fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I could go on and on. I, I presume this is at least some improvement, but how big of an improvement is it? Well, I mean, Jack Courtney gets a helicopter thrown at him, so that is great. Do you know what I mean? And you can't, is, you can't is he at least that. better than the first Suicide Squad? Well, I mean, he he just dies, and that's you know that's there's more CGI, but it is it is. Doesn't like he just die in the first one as well? No, that's the wall climbing. Oh yeah, the, the guys. I can like climb walls really quick. <laughs> 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 I, I I think the cast list is absolutely incredible. You know, this this is like an A list cast. Mentioning like other people that we haven't mentioned yet, like Peter Capaldi, Sylvester Stallone, Nathan Fillion, Pete Davidson, they all deliver exactly what's expected of them, and, and in some cases more. I think like what it's good about this film is that it's it, it balances a lot. So it's not just it doesn't kind of just take this concept and treat it like a massive joke. Like there are lots of serious sections in it. And I think the most serious performance is Viola Davis's Amanda Waller. She gives like a really good performance. Like there's there's no bullshit and you know, she's like this completely no nonsense person who's willing to do absolutely anything it takes to get the mission done, including threatening people with getting their children imprisoned. I think Marco Robbie was really good here. She, she has the right balance of pathos and chaos. The character feels much more fleshed out as well. I don't know whether that's to do with Birds of Prey or whether she's not just weighted down with sequel teasers or spin-offs or having the worth of, of her character measured on interactions with other characters like Joker or Deadshot. Here she's just given much more freedom and the result is that every scene that she's in is very entertaining. And then I mentioned before Idris Elba, very good. His character is essentially like this marksman who's a terrible father, friend, and leader. But he slowly learns how to be all three of those on this journey. And his relationship with Ratcatcher too. I know Alex says it's only one scene, but I think there's more scenes. He's like sort of a proxy father to it. I think it adds real heart and depth to the film where it might have been lacking. Okay. Uh, just jump in for a second there. Did you notice something about Gav's description of Bloodsport, Idris Elba, a professional marksman? who's yeah. lacking as a father who is not so much a good friend or leader who becomes one it's it's deadshot basically yeah, yeah. james gunn wrote this part when he wrote the script he wrote will smith's character deadshot into it will smith i don't think was able to do it maybe due to uh conflicting schedules i think he just kept just the a, same character maybe, maybe a vow he made in blood <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> but james gunn did not therefore create a new main character he just said right i'm keeping deadshot complete with the daughter, complete with uh, the marksmanship, complete with everything we know about Deadshot, and I'll just change the name. Um, and he was going to just recast Idris Elba at one point, but decided against it and decided, you know, I'll leave it open for Will Smith to return. But now you've basically got two characters that are almost identical, you know, right down to the backstory, right down to what they do. It, this seems like a bit of a misstep for me. If it was a supporting character, then okay, I'd understand maybe this, this element of laziness. As it is, this is your main character. This is, was Will Smith in the first one. Now Idris Elba. This is your leading man. And it's the same person. He just didn't change the character at all. And I think that is unforgivably lazy. Okay. Dave, like, I, I will say this, that most expert marksmen don't have great relationships <laughs> with their kids. I, I, it's hard <laughs> to be top of your game at killing people and also be father of the year. I dispute That's that. why Joel think... had to retire. <laughs> It can be juggled quite well. I think you're fine. <laughs> I, I, I mean, with, with the exception of that, I mean, at some points I was just a bit like, hmm, yeah, it does feel a little bit the same. But it's exactly the same. It's, you just changed the name. 
Yeah, no, but, but I, yeah, but I think it's it's the performance that really separates it. I mean, like Edris Elba's performance is head and shoulders, I think, above Will Smith's. And that's not to say that Will Smith's a bad actor. I just think that he had shit to work with in the first film, whereas Idris Elba is given much, much more to work with. And his character takes much more of an interesting and a developed character arc than Will Smith ever did in the first one. But what is good about this is that the cast look like they're just having a really good time. You know, you've got like a lot of big names here who knew from the get go that they were only going to be in it for like one scene. And they're just having a blast. Even Nathan Fillion, who who was getting brutally slaughtered, looks just very happy to be there. He's got some great, he's got a great line where he's trying to describe his name. Uh, I thought that was fantastic. And they're like, what what, what does that stand for? He goes, what does TDK stand for? He's like, that's me. And then he's like, but, yeah, but what does letters mean? Everyone's name's got letters in it. And it's just, it's just great. Like, it's just a really good line. That was the bit that you were talking about with the um, John Cena's line as well, when he's talking about no one likes to show off. I think that's another great line with the, uh, yeah, yeah. unless what they're showing off is dope as fuck. It's just, it's just, <laughs> the, it's delivery. It's just perfect. Yeah, that's, like, that, John that's Cena. True. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. It's just, like great one-liners and i think to tie that back to that comedy line that not everything lands but like the things that do are just great they're like definitely it, sort of mean worthy you know it's perfect in its moments and you know talking about actors i don't you know i, I don't have much to say about the uh the actors as a prosecution because it's it's they're, they're all good performances or something but it's great in its moments but as an entire film you're quite weary of those sort of and it feels like the film is just going for those one-liners and those little bits more than going for a more conventional sort of like overarching film, which is fine. I mean, it's great. Like, you know, if you took this out and you were watching little videos of it on YouTube, you'd really enjoy it. But after two hours and 15 minutes, uh, because there is such a lack of like, there is just a lack of character depth that really when all of these things are happening and you're meant to be invested in, you know, Bloodsport slash Deadshot is running to save the rat catcher too because he, you know, he, he he sees her as a daughter figure. You're like, you haven't earned that. Like, you know, I'm sorry, but fuck off. You just haven't earned that. And right at the end, like at the start, uh, Bloodsport and, and his daughter have a really good conversation and they literally just start shouting each other, start telling, screaming, you know, it's, it's like a conversation between a father and daughter you've never seen in a film before. And it's really entertaining. But that does mean that at the end of a film, like, you know, they're literally shouting like, fuck you, fuck you. And, you know, Idris Elba's telling her to, you know, what, what are you fucking doing here and all of this? It's really, really good and really new. But at the end of the film, she sees her dad on the on the TV and she like, you know, has a little tear in her eye and goes, that's my dad. And I was in the cinema going, oh, fuck off. Like, you can't have it both ways. You can't have like a funny scene that doesn't, you know, it shows like irreverence to like, you know, the father daughter relationship. And then have a bit that's just exactly the cliche of a father-daughter relationship where she's going, oh, my God, my dad's a hero. Fuck off. You know, you can't have it both ways. So that was the only bit in the film where I was uh, I was just like, no, 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 no. If you're going to do the unconventional stuff, stay with it. Don't then try and talk about my heartstrings. You haven't, you haven't earned it. Do you remember earlier when you were saying about people in the cinema who just ruining it for you Gab. it was actually alex no, i was i was informing them of what they were watching austin <laughs> <laughs> i was helping them oh, oh, right. alex, alex wants his tugs well deserved <laughs> one thing we haven't mentioned actually before we kind of draw it to a close is the action so uh, gav or ozzy like what is the action like i presume well i've already heard from you guys that it, it's this quite is... gory and a little bit more x-rated 
Yeah, this is in another league. Like you already know, he can do great action scenes in a in a clean cut, the Marvel esque kind of way. This is uh, it's like lifted straight out of a comic book. It's managed to get the real real essence of of a gory like fight scene, action scenes, but with like the the surrealism of of a, that you can you you're afforded in a comic book. You know, like you can tell there's been a lot of budget on the effects for this to really pull it out of the bag. And um, yeah, I, I think it's nailed it in terms of action, to be honest with you. Okay, Dave, have you got anything you would like to say about Ozzy's points? Yeah, just on the action generally. I think for the most part, Ozzy's right. The money's on the screen. You can see the CGI's been done pretty well. The stunts are pretty good, those that there are. My problem with the action is the momentum. The momentum gets broken quite a lot throughout the film. It has a, a much of a, a stop-start element to it. You'll be watching characters. You'll have like a, a chase scene. And then it will go, oh, earlier, you know, five minutes earlier or, you know, eight hours earlier or 10 minutes earlier. And this keeps happening throughout the film. You just as it's building up momentum, you know, just as the action's getting going, imagine like the end of the Avengers or the end of Infinity War or Endgame. The action's getting going and then it's nope, stop. Let's show you what happened eight minutes earlier from someone else's perspective. And it cuts you off as the momentum's building. It's like rolling down a hill and then, you know, you hit a tree. So you go around the tree and you carry on rolling down the hill, then you hit another tree. This isn't a fun ride down a hill. This is grim. And with this momentum <laughs> breaking all the time, it's hard to get on board with the action. It's hard to enjoy the roller coaster that an action film should be just because of the stop-start momentum when he should have, he would have benefited from a more linear storyline at this point, especially it, for the action scenes. It is like, it's like a sketch show almost. You've got these sketches that they do that doesn't, that are good, but just doesn't quite make it good for a two-hour film. No, I think it's it's trying to create that comic book aesthetic. You know, like, he could have easily just done Guardians of the Galaxy again, and it could have just been very linear. That's different. Like, watching that, and I, I felt, I thought, oh, this is actually different. This isn't just like, oh, okay, we're going from one big fight scene to another big fight scene. We're actually breaking it up, and we're getting a different perspective on it. And I thought that that was an interesting way to look at it. I it didn't feel... Well, so I was gonna say it didn't feel as much comic book to me as it did, you know, those old adventure books. It's like turn you made this decision, turn to page thirty five. <laughs> oh shit. No, 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 go back, go back, go back. <laughs> Dave, we all know. I used you to love, love them books, books Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those goosebumps ones, they were just like the top of my childhood. Yeah, you just, um, just remember to keep your thumb in the page you're on just in case you <laughs> really, really bad decision. Oh shit, I'm dead. Oh, let's go back. <laughs> I think that like this there's a good blend of different types of action here. You've got the massive visual effects scenes, like at the end when they're fighting this giant starfish. But you've got a load of really good practical effects as well. You've got the well-choreographed fight scene with Harley Quinn trying to escape the prison. And then you've got this really good film where they're trying to rescue Rick Flagg and Peacemaker and Bloodsport are basically going through the, this camp that he's contained at and they're killing people stealthily one by one, trying to do like a one-upmanship and it, it reminds me of like an old siege movie and they get all the way to the like the hut where Rick Flag's contained and they kick the door in and he's just sat there playing cards and drinking tea and they're like what are you doing and he's like oh uh, you know I, I'm, I'm just here with my friends these are freedom fighters they're trying to um you know combat the bad guys so they've essentially just slaughtered a load of innocent people who were actually on the good side and they, and they ask a question like, oh, well, why didn't anybody warn me that you were here? And they're like, ooh, oops. <laughs> and, and it's a good mix of humor and really good action sequences and well, action altogether. There's a lot of detail in the film that you wouldn't 
If you were going to compare this film to anything, Ozzy, what would you compare it to? If I had to compare it to absolutely anything, I'd probably put it up there with maybe something like, you know, an action-packed version of, like, The Green Mile. (laughs) In terms of there's, there's like, hidden nuances to the story, but you have to tease them out through... uh, Honestly, I don't know. It's, um, It's just... I think it's a fun film is the key to this. Finally, Alex, like, if this was a smoothie, what would the ingredients be? Well, you'd have a banana because it's good, right? But then someone would be like, have you tried it with spinach? And you'd be like, <laughs> you, are you fucking kidding me? And then it'd be like, no, it's really good and it's really tasty. And it's like, wow, the, you know, the blend is just doesn't work. So, yeah, banana and spinach. <laughs> banana and spinach. It's a classic, isn't it? Banana and spinach. Um, like a, okay, so brown mush. <laughs> I, I have got a quiz, which is, I think, ridiculously difficult. To be honest with you, like, can't be hard. Normally, to I make these up. quizzes so that Dave can't just steamroll everyone. <laughs> so it, it's like it, there's ten questions, and it's about ten different people that have been in this film, and they're basically just like real life facts about them. Mm. Um, so question one: Lewis Capaldi is a relative of Peter Capaldi. True or false? True. 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 He is his second cousin. Um, so practically so... not related then, really, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Gav, if you don't get this one... Depending on who you ask. It's going to be quite embarrassing for you, to be honest. Like, uh, How many wins has John Cena had at WrestleMania? Uh, well, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how fucking many WrestleManias he's been in. I'm going to say he's got... He's, he's got Six. Seven eight, wins. Oh, sorry. Seven. Dave? Eight. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say seven and three three losses. Okay, well, apparently he's got the most ever wins at WrestleMania, which is four. So four. Yeah, four. I'm gonna give it to Brucey and Gav. Like you call yourself a wrestling fan and you don't <laughs> even know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why I'm. I call myself a wrestling fan, not a John Cena fan. <laughs> I love John Cena as an actor and as a person, but not not much as a wrestler. Really, that's harsh. Like if John's listening now, I think <laughs> I respect your wrestling ability. He lives in Waterloo, John. Go get him. <laughs> <laughs> the problem for Gav is that while he watches the wrestling, he can't see John Cena. Hey. <laughs> yeah, just for the record, just for the record, I'm a huge fan of John Cena's wrestling, but I despise him as an actor. him as a person. But I do like him as an actor in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> so question three, like this one is like, if anyone gets this, I'm going to presume that you've taken like the levels of adoring to like stalkerish level. <laughs> so Margaret Robbie's character on Neighbours, what is she called? You can have three guesses, yeah, on your third guess. Is it like a typically Australian name? Sheila? N- no, it's not. Like, it's uh, it's Laura. a real strange name, actually, for an Australian person. Yeah. It's John. Yeah, I'll give you a clue. It begins in D and ends in A. Dina. Donna? Donna? Donna, 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 Donna Kebab on a Barbie? <laughs> is it Donna? Yeah. It's Donna, yeah, but not <laughs> No, it's not. It is, it's Donna. But not spell as in Donna. No, like a Donna kebab. Yeah. It ends in an A, so it's like not the name Donna. Also, I'm going to apologise for the worst Australian accent <laughs> in the world. Uh... Okay, so question four. Like this, the answer to this is actually pretty insane. Idris Elba is a DJ. Does anyone know his DJ name? 
Oh, I actually did. Oh, uh, no. no, DJ Luck. Um, MC Nick. It's kind of like based on his name a little bit. Anybody want to hazard a guess? No, DJ. It's, it's DJ Big Driss. Big Driss. Wow. So how many, Dave, this one's, this one's maybe more up your alley, although no pressure because it's yeah. about films. Uh, um, how many James Gunn films has Michael Rucker been in? Bam. Gav. Uh, I'm gone. Actually, I've got to work out. Disqualified. <laughs> I'm going to say, are we including the music video that he made for Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Oh, films, you if not music videos. Okay, five then. Five. I'll say six. Six. Four. I can name them. Four. I don't know who he is. You don't know who he is. Yondu. The blue guy yeah. in the Oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Savant um, in this one. Savant, oh, right. yeah, 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 yeah. okay. Mm, I don't know, I'm going to say seven, because no one said it. Strangely, and like quite disturbingly, Dave was bang on the money with six. Wow. And not only is it six, but it's every single James Gunn film he's been in, basically. What was, what was the sixth one? I don't know, but if you just Google That's, James Gunn. Is he only made six films? <laughs> <laughs> the, the sixth one is the Guardians of the Galaxy music video. It's uh, so Slither, Super, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Two, and the Suicide Squad. Six one. Just, is just give him a point, video. Joel. We're not going to get past it. Just give him a point. <laughs> <laughs> what did Taika Waititi wish people knew about him before he played Hitler in uh, Jojo Rabbit? He was Jewish, maybe. Correct, Gav. Well done. He was Jewish. Well yeah. done. Well done. He got a bit of shit for it, and he said he wished he'd known people. You know that he was Jewish. Do you think what that would have made a difference? Yeah, kind, kind, kind of, because you know he's Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, mean people would give people shit you, anyway for playing Hitler. Is yeah, what I mean. Just give is you that... a blank check to do whatever the fuck you want, though, does it? No. Well, but... before we go down that rabbit hole, yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> that <Jojo laughs> rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> so what? What um, food did Sylvester Stallone want to build an empire with? This is like. Real Spam. as well. Spaghetti. Oh. Spam, spaghetti. Planet Hollywood burgers. Nope. Anybody, Dave? Pineapples. You're the closest. <laughs> he, he wanted to, to build a high protein pudding empire. Like yeah, Angel Delight. Pudding. But Is that high protein protein? Basically, you just hollow out a pineapple, fill it with <laughs> Angel Delight, <laughs> and that's good eating. But, uh, if your health like... not like Sly, you put vanilla protein powder in instead. Exactly. <laughs> he, he lost a legal battle, and then he just thought, fuck it. Um, so Peter Davidson, uh, Pete Davidson, sorry, maybe he is called Peter, I don't know. If you're listening, Peter or Pete, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so his father was was tragically killed in what like major world event? Gav. Nine eleven. Nine eleven. Yeah, he was a firefighter oh, wow. at nine eleven. Wow. Um. So I, I I may butcher this name, but Karen Bukara. Um. But <laughs> she's got a tattoo on her leg. Like, which of the Suicide Squad cast did it for? Oh. Margot Robbie. Oh, Margot Robbie, because she's a tattooist, isn't she? Yeah, it was Margot Robbie. Is she a tattooist as well? She's yeah. been on Neighbours and she's a tattooist. Yeah, yeah. I've, two, I've she's done two things with her life. What? That's incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Is there anything that woman can't do? Who knows? So Make Suicide Squad one good. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Gunn um, 
is obviously in Guardians of the Galaxy as well. What his what is the character called? Raglan. Raglan. Well done, Dave. Well done, doesn't he Dave. also play uh, Rocket Raccoon? He's like the actual. He's like oh, the yeah. actual Rocket, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Loads of scenes uh, of him in a green suit with like this little thing on his head that people have got a pat. <laughs> 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 okay, so there we go. That that was ten questions, which were pretty difficult to be honest. I still think Dave actually probably got more right probably. than any of you. Which, I would probably agree with it. Between Dave and Gav. It's quite embarrassing for the rest of you, really, when <laughs> I tried to give Gav <laughs> what you saying with, with, the, <laughs> with the John C in the best one and he just completely messed it up. Did, did we find out how many films Michael Rook has been in? Oh, fair. James this, is what it, this is what it hinges on for me. Well, maybe some, Dave, look them up while, while we close this. this oh, of course, busy. he was in Tromeo and Juliet. I'm joking, he was, obviously. He, he was in Blood Orgy of Beaverly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was the end of the quiz. And it's given me personally no time to think about this because i also did the quiz <laughs> so i'm just going to pluck this out of the air i think this film sounds different and i think that's a good thing at the moment with the amount of superhero films and films of that genre that are coming out i think the prosecution raised a, a lot of good things to be honest i was surprised that there would possibly be a lack of comedy in this film I thought that that would just be like a, a given, essentially, in a, in a James Gunn film and that it would be funny, especially, you know, when I'm used to characters like Star-Lord and, you know, the interactions between those guys and Rocket and that type of thing. And I also kind of didn't really like the fact that it, it sounded like it, it's a bit of everything, that there's maybe like no clear tone in the film, like it's not comedic, like although there's dark elements to it, it doesn't really kind of, it's not too polished as we've seen from James Gunn in the past. Perhaps he works best when Marvel say, you know, these are your requirements, you've got to work in them. Whereas DC has obviously said, do what you want with it. And maybe he just needs somebody just to like keep him on a leash a little bit. So I'm interested to see what happens with it when I personally watch it. Um, but, in terms of the defense, I like the fact that nobody's safe, really. You kind of know when you're watching Marvel that Star-Lord isn't going to get his head blown off, essentially, whereas this, it sounds like it could happen to anybody at any time. So I'm going to be excited, I think, watching that. I really like the cast list as well. The fact that you've got like Capaldi and things like that in here, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really expect to see somebody like that in a superhero film. You know, you've got like Idris Elba, John Cena, kind of big names but maybe outside their comfort zone a little bit so i'm looking forward to like watching all those characters come together um but overall i think what sold it for me is just that it sounds different you know it sounds like although the, the second half may be a little bit weaker the first half i think everybody agreed is very good everybody also agreed that the performances are not bad when i asked for like if anybody is particularly weak i don't think anybody really picked anything out so overall, it, it certainly sounds like it's more of a hit than a shit. And although like improving on the original Suicide Squad is literally the easiest thing you could ever do, like it was probably the safest project he could have taken. <laughs> like when DC said to him, like, you know, what do you want to do? He, I'd have said Suicide Squad as well, because you literally <laughs> cannot get worse than the shit that was the original. So I think he's played it quite safe in some ways, but in the end, you know, I think 
it was something that he was always going to redeem a little bit because he's got a really unique style and I think like overall he he bands people to go together really well so yeah hit list okay genuine opinions I'll go first if that's okay I yeah I really liked it but I can see why some people might not like it I think that it gets to a point where I felt like my gross out sort of over the top violence gauge was being really tested and I felt like it was it was a little bit excessive I I I I didn't mind it but I can see how some people would be like oh okay enough enough now please and I think that it is always going to be tied to the original one but I think it definitely did enough to break away from it I do think that he's made a hell of a lot of, of a better Suicide Squad film than the original and I agree with most of what I was saying but I do think that Maybe it's not as amazing as other people think it is. I wouldn't say that this is like the gold standard of superhero films, but I definitely think it does enough to set itself apart from some of the shambolic DCEU films that they've been. Okay, Ozzy, what's your opinion? It's not really a film for me, and I think you need to be... Genuinely, I think you need to be a DC fan. I think if I was a comic book fan, it would be a lot for me to love about this. There are, there are a whole host of characters, which I think you'd need to be a bit of a... Uh, a comic book buff you know like you need to know a lot about what's going on to really care for everyone and understand why they're so relevant it's a good film though i think for the most part it's a good superhero film and it's a bit different from that regard so there's a lot to to keep it on the hit list it's just not not a film i would go and watch again necessarily i think i would have liked it better if we'd watched it as a crew like mm. a lot of us like the way we watched guardians I think I would have taken a lot more from it that way than, than watching it on my own. Okay, Hit, but only just. Thanks, Ozzy. And Alex? Yeah, I think it's probably on the right list. It's good points outweigh its bad points. But yeah, like Ozzy just said then, like just about. Um, I did find by the end I was kind of like relieved when it was coming to an end. And just like you said, Gav, like the gross out element to it, 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 it more more it wasn't like testing i could take more gore but it was just like what it was doing to the story i was just a bit like you know anyone can anyone can be taken out here you know anyone can be like crashed out and that just yeah it just needed to be a bit more a bit more conventional and yeah i feel a bit bad saying it because it was it was trying something a bit new but yeah it's 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 a good watch but not one that i'm gonna be like oh my god yeah i've got to see that again anytime soon okay thanks alex and dave uh, I liked it for the most part, um, but it was quite disappointing in a lot of ways. I had really high expectations when I heard James Gunn is going to be taking on Suicide Squad. This is like the perfect project for him. Not only does he suit the project, the project suits him. This could have been great, and it was okay. I enjoyed it. It is a huge uh, step up from the from the first Suicide Squad. It's a huge step up for DC in general, I think, but they're still light years off Marvel. And I think I really wanted more humor out of this. I wanted more of that James Gunn signature humor. And I think more jokes missed the mark than hit it. And I was just quite disappointed by that. But it still is decent enough. You know, it's all right. Action's good. The characters are good. You know, the cast is good. It's, it's, it's a really solid effort. Um, it's probably one of the better films in the DC canon for sure. So yeah, I'd say hit list. It's not a firm hit list, but it's, it's certainly on there. That's great. Thanks, Steve. And that, that's it. Higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was Seven, which received 81% critical score and 95% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. It's early days, isn't it? I reckon mm. probably really, really, well, I think probably really good on both. 
a bit lower maybe, but not a lot. Uh, I think critical might be lower. I think audience score should be higher. Well, Dave, you're completely wrong. It's the other way around. So audience score is actually lower with 84, but critical is much higher. So it's 91% critical score. Sure. So yeah, that's uh, that's all we've got to say with that one, I'd to be, be honest. Go on, sorry, sorry. I'd be interested to know if all of the, you know, because it's like Rotten Tomatoes, just that fresh thing. Mm -hmm. I'd like if they're unequivocally positive or just about positive, like we like, because that's how all of us are sort of on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's good. But, you know, I'd, I'd imagine quite a lot of reviews have got that going on. Yeah. Okay, right. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I agreed, yeah. <laughs> I got nothing else to add. I think it was a good point and anything that I would say would detract from it. So I thought I'd just move on. I thought you might have said, yeah, really good point. Well made, Alex. I know. That would have given me a little boost confidence-wise as well, Ozzy. But it's you know not, not the kind of host we have, is it, Ozzy? Really good. I'm, just, I'm still just really annoyed about that Michael Rooker, James Gunn question. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't move on from it. Right. Uh, okay, so that, that's, that, that's it, basically. And next week, we're going to be entering into a new themed month. So a lot of people have said to us, hey, you've done a rom-com month. You've done a whodunit month. Where to next? Well, the only logical step, really, is to move swiftly into a Kevin Costner theme. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I think it's because we were looking at the films in the hat, and we've got three films that have been nominated to us that feature Kevin Costner, so we thought, fuck it, we'll throw a fourth one in and make a month out of it. <laughs> so if you don't like Kevin Costner, then you're going to have a bad time listening to this <laughs> podcast over the next month. But next week, we're going to be starting on our Kevin Costner-themed month. And I suppose this one sinks in quite well because it's about a ragtag crew of merry men. It's Robin Hood, <laughs> Prince of Thieves. <laughs> and uh, all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So judging it is going to be myself. In defense, is going to be Ozzy and Dave. And prosecuting is going to be Alex and Joel. So look forward to that one. Well done, everyone, on your on your defences and your prosecutions. Very well put and very well done to Joel for judging as well. And thank you to everybody who has listened to this episode. Really appreciate it. If you want to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that would be very nice. Why don't you check us out on filmsontrial.co.uk for more content. Check us out on Twitter at Film Trials or Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, Films on Trial. So that is it. The Suicide Squad is a hit and we're going to be in your ears next week with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Goodbye. I could just see like, a lot of the fans being like, why Kevin Costner? <laughs> <laughs> Has he died? <laughs> I think that's four really good ones, to be honest. Four ones that you could definitely argue for yeah. and definitely against. I don't think there's a bad film in the bunch there, to be honest with you. Uh... <laughs> <laughs>